Okay, everyone, good evening. I think it's been a while since I've done a standing share on Monday nights. Um, it's good to be standing. May this be a sign that we will all stand up, this Nissan. The whole world will stand up, the Jewish people will stand up, all of us will stand up. In any case, um, it's the month of Nisan, it's the month of redemption, it's, it's, it's great. And we're learning a new book, we're learning the book of Ayikra this week. And first I would like to honor anybody that wants to sponsor this class, if this speaks to you, if it touches you, if it inspires you, if it enlightens you, if uh, consider doing a dedication. Um, I'll, I'll confess my own, uh, I used to send out and reach out, I have a whole list of people on their birthdays, anniversaries, and yard sites, and all that kind of thing, and reaching out to people to, um, and Baruch, thank God, we've had a lot of sponsors, but I just, the energy has drained of me to be doing that, so I don't do that. Instead, I uh, wait till uh, people <laughs> pop out of the sky and uh, sponsor the classes, and Baruch Hashem, God helps, and it's been happening, so I'm just encouraging anybody that, even if uh, the class has happened already, you can still get your credit retroactively for this entire class towards anybody or anything. I do want to dedicate the class. Oh, I will dedicate it to someone very special in my life. That is my daughter. My daughter's birthday tonight. Um, so, Nachama Bela, may this be to big schus for her. It's all good. Only, only wonderful things. Much, much blessings. And uh, in good health, bracha, light, and only good. But anybody else that would like to dedicate this class, feel free to do so. Email us or whatever. So what I was thinking, like, what am I going to talk about? It's coming Pesach. It's intense. It's powerful. Like, I need, we need something juicy. We need something good. We need something uplifting. And um, I wanted. I didn't want to neglect the parsha, but. Parshas Vayikra, it's a new book. We want to emphasize the beginning of the book. So what's better than, than, than zeroing in on the first word of the book? And to find the Mashiach light in the first word of the book. I'm sure there's a Mashiach light even before the first letter of the book. Even in the white parchment before the letter. There's an incredible Mashiach light. But I don't know that light. And I haven't seen yet the, 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 the secrets of the first four letters, but we're going to go to the fifth letter. In the first word of this book is Vayikra. We all know that the word, the Aleph in the word Vayikra is a small Aleph. It's not your regular size letter. It's a diminished letter. We know the three kinds of letters in the Torah, this regular size letters, which means the font is a regular font, like all the rest of the letters in the Torah. That's, I think, referred to in the Zohar, Asvin Beinanim, average letters. Then there is Asvin Ravrevin, means a large letter. From time to time you have in the Torah one letter that's large. For example, the Dalid in the word Echad, from here, O Israel, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekem Shem Echad, it's a large Dalid. Or the Ayin of the word Shema, is also a large ayin. So you have a phenomenon of large letters. Now, obviously, in the Torah, if you have a larger letter with a larger font, it's the deepest secrets that are like, 
beyond beyond. And the Zohar's, and then there's also what's called Asfin Zeirin, small letters, which sometimes there you have an occurrence of a small letter, like the word Liv Kaisa in the in Parshas uh, Chayesara, when Avram comes to cry for Sarah, the, the chaf in the word Liv Kaisa is a small chaf. Other letters like that, small letter. So we hear in the word Vayikra, there is a small letter in the Vayikra. And it's so written, not just in the Chumash, it's in the Sefer Torah that way, that the letter is written much smaller. It's actually a quarter of the size of a regular letter. A regular Aleph is four times the size. So it says in Magen Avram, in Shulchan Aruch, commentary on Magen Avram, where he discusses the size. He says a large letter should be four times the size of a regular letter. That means a regular letter is a quarter of the large letter. And a small letter is a quarter of the size of an average letter. So um, we need to understand what's the change. And everybody, there is so much written on the small Aleph. It's amazing how the Aleph is small, kind of humble, you know, less. If anything, it's less of a letter. And yet, because it's small, it's so noticed. And there's so much talk about this Aleph throughout all of Jewish literature, throughout all the ages. So much about this little Aleph. What I want to, however, focus on is its special connection to this year, where we are right now. Because we are in a year associated with a very, very important Aleph. As we know, this year is Tavshin Pei Aleph. 5781, and you got the Aleph. Now, every 10 years you have an Aleph. In the, le- in the, in the right? this happens every, every 10 years. The beginning of a decade is always with an Aleph. But uh, you know what? Now it's not Ayan Aleph or Tzadik Aleph. Now it's Pei Aleph. Let's talk about Pei Aleph, the Aleph. But particularly because I think it's even more connected with the Pei. Because Pei, as we discussed so many times, is symbolic for the level called Keter. Pei is the first letter in the word Pele. And the connection of Pei to Pele is that um, the word Pele actually spells is, is an aleph. It's an aleph in the opposite direction. So that's why when you have pe, the, 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 the year Tavshin Pei, which stands for Tavshin Pele or Plois, and which means wonders, and then you have an aleph, which aleph is also the same letters as Pele. So there is significance. And since we are definitely in the zone, as everybody knows and everybody can feel, that we're in the zone of the redemption. So uh, coming to a year where there is a Aleph, Plois Arenu, and over here we have suddenly a small Aleph, um, that's what provoked in me to investigate this and see if we can find any significance connecting the small Aleph over here to the year that we're in right now. Uh, so what I would like to go to is that the, I'll tell you already from the beginning of the class, the conclusion of the class, it's time to enlarge the Aleph. That's my, that's my entire class today. Now I'm not going to go tell anybody to, God forbid, make a change, modify a Torah. No way. We can't do that. But in concept, the Aleph this year is going to explode. This small Aleph that's tiny, that is a shrunk, it's a shrunken Aleph, this Aleph, it's time for it to reveal itself and to open itself up, not just to become, to be restored and become a regular side, a regular size Aleph, which would be the average Aleph, 
it should become supersized Aleph, it should become a mega Aleph. Now there is a mega Aleph, which is the other end of this Aleph, which you see the Zohar compares the two. When the Zohar asks why this Aleph is a small Aleph, the Zohar um, in, does a comparison to another Aleph, which is a not a regular Aleph, because that you have many of them in the Torah, but another Aleph, which is a large Aleph. And that's not in the Chumash, not in the five books, but it's in Sefer Divrei Hayamim, in the Book of Chronicles. The Book of Chronicles, the first one, there's two, the first one, part, part one, and Perak Aleph, Pasak Aleph. Mm-hmm. Over there it talks about the Chronicles and the history of the, man, of the world. It begins with the first human being, and his name is Adam, so the Aleph of the word Adam is a large Aleph. So the Zohar does a comparison and asks the question, why by Moshe Rabbeinu over here do we have a small Aleph and in Divrei in, Yom uh, we have a large Aleph. So we see that, 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 that this Aleph is, in, in, is the other extreme of a large Aleph. It relates to another Aleph. And basically, as we're going to see, the small Aleph is the condition of the way things are now, for whatever reason. There is a a tzimtzum, a powerful contraction. There is some some deficiency that makes this Aleph, all across the board, this Aleph represents some kind of a deficiency. There is an idea that this Aleph represents a humility, a, a quality. Moshe Rabbeinu's humility, he was uncomfortable that it was being called by God, and he felt so... So, in, so, so uh, insignificant and so uh, well, kind of he was ashamed or bashful in this that God is calling him. Yeah, so from that perspective, this Aleph is a myla, it's a big quality. But in most of the other commentary, at least in the Kabbalistic mystical, the small Aleph over here is a indication of some kind of a defect, which is a defect in the world until the end, until Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, it's going to be fixed. And that is hinted to in the Aleph that is in Divrei Ayamim, where it says Adam. Even though it's referring to Adam, which Adam? That's Adam, first human being. It's got a big Aleph. But the reason why the Aleph is large over there is because the Adam that it's referring to over there, the large Aleph Adam, is really the future Adam. As we know that Adam, Adam Arishon, included within his soul the perfection of the, human, of the human being. The ultimate perfection of the human being is Mashiach. So it says in many svarim that Adam stands for the Shlaha Kaddish. I don't know where the original, original one who says it, but uh, maybe even Rabbeinu Bachaya, or maybe even before him, I'm not sure. But the Shlaha Kaddish is full of it in many places. That Adam, the acronym, the Rosh Tevis of the word Adam, is Adam David Mashiach. So Mashiach is the ultimate realization of Adam Arishon. And David is the center of history, and he's the link that links up the past to the future. Together, the trio of Adam, the beginning, David, the center, and Mashiach at the end. When you have all three together, then you have the large olive. And what's the large olive? The repair of this small olive. Because the small olive of Ayikra is an indication of some kind of a lacking. Um, based on that, I would like to suggest 
that we are holding now at the very end. So this, now let it happen, this Nisan should already be the, the time when Mashiach reveals himself. And the small Aleph of Vayikra should become a large Aleph. And that's why I'm talking about it today. Hopefully by talking about it and bringing it to people's attentions and you will think about it and you will share this with others and say this with others. Maybe this should be the Yusurusa de Latata. Let this be the arousal from below to expand the Aleph of Ayikra, to lift it up for it to be the big Aleph that's going to be, that is mentioned already in Divrei Ayamim, but let it be already over here that the Vayikra, that God calling Moshe, which is Mashiach, because Moshe and Mashiach is really one Neshama as well. When Hashem calls Moshe Rabbeinu into the third Beis Amigdash, into the temple, because the calling over here was Vayikra Moshe Oel Moed, that Hashem called Moshe from the Oel Moed to come inside, to engage with him, right? Eventually this is going to be through in the third temple. Let it be the big calling. Vayikra Aleph, a large Aleph, not a small Aleph. Okay, so in order to get to that, let's do a little research over here in this significance of the of the shrunken Aleph, of the little Aleph, why it is, what does it mean, and what's its particular connection to right now. Okay, so um, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned the Zohar, so we'll start with the Zohar. The Zohar said, this Zohar is not in Pashas Vayikra, this is the Zohar in Pashas Vayichi. Pasach V'yomar, in Da'af Reish Lametes, in Vayichi. Pasach V'yomar, he opened and he said, Vayikra Moshe, it's the middle of a paragraph. Vayikra Moshe, hocha alev ze'ira, why is, uh, there's a small alev, amai. Why is it a small alev? Begin the high kriya loy have Because this calling wasn't a complete calling. Calling, God is calling Moshe. And, and, and we know that Rashi says it, it's, it's, the calling is even, even, maybe even higher than, this, than the talk, than the conversation. It says, Vayikra Moshe, he called Moshe, Vaydaber Hashem Elov, and God spoke to him. So there's something to notice, we'll talk about it later. First of all, even when he starts Vayikra, in addition to this Aleph being a small Aleph, it doesn't say who called, he called. And if you say, well, of course, we know it's a continuation to what was earlier. First of all, it's a new book, so it would have made sense that he should give us some detail, even if he's relying that we know what it says earlier. It's still a new book. So start again, that Hashem is doing it. But especially since a second later, it says in the very same verse, Vaidabar Hashem Elov, it mentions God's name. So if you don't need to know who it is, because you figured that out already, you could have said, Vayikra El Moshe, Vayidabar Elov. He called to him and he spoke to him. What is Vayikra Hashem Elov? So why doesn't it mention God's name? And it is explained, as we're going to see, that the calling to Moshe is much higher than the, than the, than the, than, than the conversation, than the, than the actual um, communication that was going on because the communication was coming from God's name from an identifiable level of the divine even a very high name it's the essential name it's the Yudke Vavke the unpronounceable name of God on the highest of levels but yet it's still a name Vayikra means he as he is beyond names he called to Moshe so the Vayikra is so high it is so great yet the Zohar says it's not, it's not in its full perfection. It's not in its full perfection. It's not complete. My timer, what's the reason for it? Number one, it's taking place in the Mishkan. Versus where? Versus the Beis Amigdash, which is a permanent residence. It's only the Mishkan. 
Number two, Ba'ara Achra, it's not in the land of Israel. Connected, it's all connected, one, really one reason. It's in the Mishkan that's outside, it's in the roaming tent. It's not inside the Holy Land of Israel. We are expecting God's palace to be, be built any momentarily, and Hashem will call Moshe, and that calling will, will be a complete calling. Begin because perfection is only there in the land of Israel. The fact that this is taking place, in general, when you read the whole Torah, you see that the whole mitzvahs and everything was given outside of the land of Israel. And there's reasons for it, that we shouldn't feel that, the, that the, only when you're in Israel you can do the Torah and the mitzvahs. There are all kinds of reasons why the Torah was given in the Midbar that the sages say. But yet, that, that's a certain uh, uh, a lacking. There's, there's, there's something, the world is not yet in its perfected state, when it's in its perfected state, then everything is on its, on its base, where it's supposed to be. And when the world is perfectly aligned with Hashem, Eretz Yisrael is at the center, epicenter of everything, Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, the base Amigdash. And then you have a full flow. And the calling, it'll be a much higher calling. So that's the reason why um, the Vayikra is small according to the Zohar. Then the Zohar gives another two reasons to, to another idea. Hacha, that's interesting, to now, it just explained, it didn't really compare it to Divrei Hayamim, to the Chronicles, we were over there, the large Aleph. It's just saying why in Vayikra it's a small Aleph, not comparing it to anything else. But over here, when it gives the second reason, it does a, it does a comparison. Ta, two, I'm sorry, another reason. Hacha over here, who was the one who called to Moshe? Shechinta. It's the level called Shechina that was calling to Moshe. Shechina is a more modified level of the divine. So therefore it's a small alavayikra, the one that's calling is a small, a smaller manifestation of God called Shechinta. Shechinta is only the feminine side of God. However, Hasam, there is a... Uh, um, there's different gerses, meaning it's not clear what exactly the wording of the Zohar is, but Hasam over there, what is that referring to? There refers to Divrei Ayamim. Shlimu Dithar Venukva. Over there it says Adam. And Adam, when is Adam called Adam? The Zohar emphasizes many times that a, a human is not called an Adam unless they're married. And it's really the perfection of husband and wife together. Male and female together make up this one, un, one unit. Initially when they were created, they were one. One body, male and female. Then God split them. But when he split them, it wasn't meant to set them apart. It was meant to bring them together face to face because their attachment was back to back. And when they get married, they come together face to face, and their unity is much deeper and much higher. They're merging, and there they're one again. They're one. And only in this perfected state are they called Adam. So the Zohar is saying, uh, when, it's, when it's perfect, when it's man and woman, then the Aleph is a large Aleph. Adam, Sheis, Enosh, the Zohar brings that. Adam, the Aleph, is a large Aleph. Because it's not just Shechina, it's Shechina and her husband together, male and female. Adam, Shlimu, Dechar, Venukva. A complete human, 
man and woman. Hacha over here, nukva. Over here it's only the feminine side of God calling him. Two, and the Zohar gives a third reason, which you have to understand how the third reason is different than the second reason. Sefer Dekra, the end of the Apostle Since God is speaking to him from Oyel Moyed, begin Kach Aleph Ze'ira. That's why it's a small Aleph. In other words, this, the latter half of the verse explains the first half. The reason why, the first word, the reason it's a small Aleph is because he's being called from the Oel Moed. Now, what does he mean by that? No commentary. I mean, it seems a little bit like the first reason. It's not outside of Eretz Yisrael. It's not... But the Zohar emphasizes that it's related to the very idea that's called Oel Moed. So the Tzemach Tzedek explains in Ur HaTayra, he says that Oel means a tent Moed of time. Like we say, Mo'adim, times of joy. Mo'adim l'simcha, special times of joy. A Mo'ed is, I'm going to meet you at that Mo'ed, at that prescribed time. Mo'ed is a set time. So O'el Mo'ed means the tent of time. What does that mean? So he explains, that's the level of Malchus, which is the final attribute of the divine, which the level of Malchus is the source of time. And if it's, like we know that from Malchus we say Hashem Melech, Hashem Molech, Hashem Yimloch. Malch, Malchus is already the start of the idea of time, as explained in Shara Yechud Ve'amunah, the portal of, of unity and faith. I'm not going to go into it right now, it's a long discussion. But where does time begin? In the divine? It starts in Malchus. Higher than Malchus, uh, in the higher spherot, in the nine spheros higher than Malchus, it's beyond time. It's beyond time and beyond space. So time and space really start already not just in the creation but in the lowest element of the divine where God is already attaching himself to the creation or becoming a source, a direct source for the creation. And because it's a source of time, and for that reason, that Samach Tzedek is explaining the Zohar, that's why it's a small Aleph because this is a smaller level. And what I don't get, and, I, and I'm not going to explain this today because I don't have an answer, how is this different than the first explanation, the, the second explanation, which we just said, that um, here it's only shechina, which is feminine, as opposed, opposed to there, which, uh, uh, which is male and female, which is the same idea, because feminine is malchus, which is shechina. So it's the same thing. Unless we can argue, possibly, and say, it, 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 in general, it's the same level, but over there, the emphasis is that it's a half of it's a half of a person. It's not the whole the whole idea of male and female together, which is Ishlamas. Here, the emphasis is that it's the source of time. Not that it's half or lacking her counterpart, but because it's the source of time, that's why it's a small olive. Again, this is all parenthetical. It's not really what I really want to discuss today. But I just wanted to give you the Zohar, where the Zohar gives over here. It's three explanations of why this, but what we get from the Zohar, according to all of its explanation, is that this Kriya, this calling, was some kind of watered down. It's not in its highest level, and that is indicated in the Aleph. The small Aleph then represents a chisarein, a certain lacking, which will not be completed until Mashiach comes again. And the Tikkun of it is going to be in the time when we have Adam, which that Adam, which is the, the Adam Shays, which represents the ultimate man, 
is when Adam is completed as Adam David Mashiach. Now the Zohar doesn't make an indication to that, but we'll see a source for that later. The Zohar just says that Adam represents male and female together. But male and female together in Adam is Adam David Mashiach, as we're going to see. Okay, so that's just a, 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 a first idea regarding this whole subject. Now, let's take a look in the writings of the, oh, based on this, that, um, oh, let's do this first and then we'll come back. Um, the, the Arizal, in, there's a Sefer from the Holy Ari called Shar HaPsukim. So in the writings of the Ari in Shar HaPsukim, in Parshas Vayikra, Be'inyan Aleph's Ve'ira de Vayikra, what's the small Aleph of Vayikra? So he is going to learn the same idea, that there's a certain lacking, there's something, a deficiency. When the letter is small, as a sign that there's a deficiency. There's a certain weakness, if we can say, in this, in this, in this moment. It could have been better, and now it's weaker. And it's related to the negativity, to something negative. The Zohar seems to have said earlier, it's, it, according to the Zohar, it, there's nothing negative over there. There's no sin over here. It's just the fact that we're not yet there at the ultimate. The Arizal sees it as a certain pagam, a certain uh, defect that there is. And according to the Arizal, it's not so much the place where it's happening or the level that's calling Moshe, but rather a defect in Moshe, in the one that's being called. Moshe Rabbeinu is was impacted negativity, negativity in a negative way, because not because of his own fault. But we, the Jewish people and Moshe Rabbeinu, are very, very deeply connected. He's our leader. And the leader gets dragged down by the people. He lifts the people. He's elevated by the people. He's also um, could be pulled down by the people. So when the people sinned, Moshe fell. When the Jewish people made the eagle, when they made the golden calf, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Lech Raid, go down. Now we can understand that as going down the mountain, but obviously the Torah has many levels. So we see even in Rashi that it doesn't just mean physically go from a higher place down, you know, to clean up the mess down there, go check it out, what's going on there. It's, it's, it's when even Rashi says it, that Lech Raid means descend from your greatness. In other words, you're, 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 you've just lost a lot of your spiritual energy, of your spiritual quality. You were just severely diminished. And Hashem says, because the only reason I give you greatness is because you're their leader. And since they are unworthy right now, their unworthiness has caused a deficiency or diminishment in the levels of Moshe Rabbein. Now that, obviously, when we say Moshe has been diminished, it's more of a, it's a spiritual thing. So when we look into the spiritual parts of the Torah, which will obviously be, this, this, this subject would be the department of Kabbalah, to give us a little bit instinct in the mystical side of things, the levels of holiness, the levels of expansiveness of Moshe that shrink. So what is that? So the Arizal explains that Moshe Rabbeinu lost 999% of who he was and what he was, of his spiritual lights. It wasn't just a little loss. He lost 99.9. He lost his everything. 
sadly, what was left from Moshe was just one, one little tiny, one thousandth of who he was. Can you imagine that? That's how powerful sin is. The sin of the golden calf was such a yerida, such a fall, such a horrible fall, that it, it impacted. Imagine how the Jews must have felt what they did to Moshe. Moshe was in such a high level. And they took it away. They took everything away from him. They robbed him from everything. And now he was left just with a tiny little speck of who he was. A shadow of who he was. One thousandth of who he was. What he says, the words over here. After the sin of the golden calf, when Hashem set him to go down, it was this diminished from him. Tough, tough, kuf. That's 900. Tough, tough is 400. Tough, tough, kuf is 900. Tzadik tes chalakim. And 99. So 999 portions of his greatness were, were diminished. From the original light that he had. What was left with him is only one little portion. From all the thousand parts. Now we'll understand why the Aleph is small. He says the difference between a large Aleph and a small Aleph. It's interesting because it almost implies... He's comparing the small aleph to a large aleph. Now, we shouldn't compare it to the large aleph. We should compare it to a regular aleph. Because if it wouldn't be a small aleph here, what would it be? Vayikra would have a regular aleph. It seems from the Holy Ari that the aleph that really belonged there is not a regular aleph, it's actually a large aleph. And again, it would fit with what the Zohar is comparing it to the large aleph of, of Adam. So for what, again, for whatever reason, I don't understand, but for whatever reason, the Aleph that would have been over here or should have been over here, according to the Ariza, would have been a large Aleph, not the regular size Aleph. That large Aleph, he says, indicates 1,000 because Aleph is the word Eleph and Eleph means 1,000. But Eleph only means, I'm sorry, Aleph can only mean Eleph according to the Ariza. When it's a large Aleph, it represents Eleph, 1,000. That means Moshe Rabbeinu on that level of 1,000. That would be the Aleph. He came Aleph. An Aleph, if you write out the... I'm sorry, if you write out the word Aleph, it's the same letters as Aleph, which Aleph is 1,000. But afterwards he says, what was he left with? A regular Aleph. And... He calls it Aleph Pshutim. It means a small Aleph. And what is the small Aleph? Not a thousand. Single digit. Number, it's only one. He shrunk from a thousand to one. Shomisper Echod Bovad. It's only one. Vaz Nikra Aleph Zeira. And then it's called the small Aleph. Look at this. And he says, now here's the, 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 the fascinating thing. He says, I've explained this already earlier in Pasha's Kisisa when it speaks about Moshe putting on his face a masve, a mask. Which is phenomenal, because that's the subject of our times, the mask. What does the Arizal say over there in Parshas, uh, Parshas, Parshas Kisisa about the mask? Also in the same book, Sharap Sukim. So the Arizal explains... 
a fascinating thing. He says, Moshe putting on the mask is this very diminishment that we're talking about over here, shrinking into the small olive. He says, initially, Moshe was exposed to the powerful energy flow that's in the, in the cosmos, the entire godly life force that flows into this into all of creation, on the highest level of creation. We know creation has three rungs, where creation begins. It's called Olam Abriya, the world of creation. And then creation evolves into Olam Hayatsira, which is a world of formation. It's a much lower state of existence. And finally, it comes down Olam Asiya, the world of completion, which to us is completion, the, the physical world. So we understand that each notch, each level is far more expansive, much more energy. The sum totality of all of creation is in the world of Bria. Above that is another world, the world of Atsilus, but that's already the divine, that's not creation. Moshe Rabbeinu had, his, had in his soul a revelation of the entire neshama of all of creation, from the, the entire investment of the divine into the world of Bria, was all illuminating in Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama, in Moshe's soul. He says, again, it's a mystical concept, the name of God that, that illuminates in the world of Bria is Kel Shakai. That's what you have sometimes, uh, Yaakov Vino says, Kel Shakai nire elai. Kel Shakai was revealed to me. Kel Shakai is the master of the universe. The godliness, in, in, each, in each world it's a different name. Um, I think in Olam Asiya, in the physical world, it's Kel Adna. I think so. And it's, it's different every, in, every, in every world. In, uh, in, in Olam Habriya, it's Kel Shakai. Now, what's the relationship with that to Moshe? Darizal says, Kel Shakai is the exact gematria Moshe. Kel Shakai, let's see. Moshe is three... Mem Shin Hei, 345. Shakai, so Shakai is 314. Plus 31. So 20, 24, 34, 35. Sorry. 24, 34, 44. And one more, 45, 345. So Kel Shakai and Moshe, Gematria. That means Moshe, Rabbeinu's Neshama, has the capacity to experience the godliness, the full revelation of God in all of existence, and every level of existence that exists in all of creation. And that level, he says, is a thousand. Why is that a thousand? Because when you take the word Kael Shakai, now we just did the Gematria, it's Gematria Moshe, 345. But the Arizal says, if you spell out the letters individually, and you do the gematria of the spelled out letters, you get a thousand. You actually get nine ninety nine, which that will equal. It's the number that 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 brings you to a thousand. For example, aleph is not just an aleph, which would then, when we're looking at aleph till now in the in the count of three forty five, we counted aleph as one. But Aleph is really Aleph, Aleph Lamed Pei, with the Miloy, with the hidden letters. So that's 111. Aleph is 111. 
Lamid. Lamid Mem is 74. Lamid Mem Dalid is 74. And you go, Shin is Shin Yud Nun. So I added it up earlier. I checked it out. So you don't have to do it. But if you spell out the letters of Kale, Shakai, you get a thousand. You get 999, which is a thousand. So being that Moshe is privy to that illumination of Kale Shakai, so with all of existences, all the, the entire life force, the pulsating life force in all of the cosmos, the spiritual world, and we know the three worlds are divided into gazillion worlds and level, it's all open to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's all within him. But then he says, because of the sin and because of the big, big fall of the Jewish people, they pulled Moshe along with them. And Moshe's lights were shut down. And Moshe, so, so where's he plugged in now? He's now only receiving a little bit of an illumination through the two angels that are dominating in the three lower worlds, starting with the world of Bria. One angel is called Malach Mitatrain. Mitatrain, that's one of the Malachim we know. And the other Malach is called Malach Sandalfain. Sometimes referred to as Malach Sandal. So there's a Malach called Malach Sandalfain, and there's a Malach called Malach Mitatron. Now he says the first letter of Mitatron and Sandalfon is Mem and Samach. And that's the Mem and the Samach from the word Masve. So what, the way the Arizal is understanding the Masve is it's not blocking Moshe's light from going out, it's blocking Moshe from receiving the earlier lights, the powerful lights of Kel Shakai, which he was able to receive earlier directly from Kel Shakai, not through any angels, not through any, you know, going through any, 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 any filters. It was directly from the source on the level of a thousand lights. Now he's only receiving through these malachim called malach, Metatroin and Sandalfoin, Mem Samach. Then he says, and where are they deriving the energy from? Only from the latter two letters of God's name, which is Yud K, Vav K. The Vav and the He. So one of them is plugging into the Vav, the other one in the He. As opposed to earlier when he's receiving from Kel Shakai, he would have been plugged into the full Yud K, Vav K. But now, it's only the Vav and the He, and even them, it's through, the, through this filter of Mem Samach, and that's the word Masveh. Mem Samach Vav He. And that indicates Moshe's very, very big force. So much so, that now, he says, instead of the Kel Shakai Miloy, we said earlier, which and the word Elef, Aleph, which means Elef, a thousand, Masve, now let's do the gematria of the word Masve. Mem and Samach is 100. Vav and He is 11. So Masve is 111. Gematria Aleph. Aleph, Aleph, Lamed, Pei. Lamed and Pei is 110. Plus an Aleph is 111. Fascinating idea. So instead of the Aleph being Aleph, which is a thousand, it's only 111. And that's the, what the Arizal said earlier is the reduction to single digits. 
Ah. So this is giving us a little bit of a, of a something. And that's what I'm saying. We're living through extraordinary times. The fact that the whole world is now wearing a masveh. To me, again, I don't know how to fit it in exactly, but I, I have a strong sense that we're ready to break out of this concealment, of this block. It's there right now. It's coming out openly so that momentarily we will take off the masveh. And taking off the masveh is also removing the masveh from Moshe, who's Mashiach, and, 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 re, and getting back to the spectacular Aleph, to the revelation of the Aleph, as Aleph is a, is, 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 is a thousand, which is the levels of Keser, as we're soon going to see, which is the Or Sof, which is what Corona is really also, idea of Keser of Ein Sof. But meanwhile, there is a, suddenly there is this Masveh block, and they're talking already. Governments are already, governors are already lightening up, you don't need to have the mask. Others want to keep the mask. You see the struggle in the mask. And that is now covering all of humanity. But we're already sensing the mask coming off. So I hope and I pray that this should mean that this, this, this disconnect, this, 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 the fact that the world and, the, and, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu, and obviously Moshe is the root soul of all the Jewish souls, we're only receiving a trickle and receiving it through angels and so on and so forth as directly plugged in to Kael Shakai in its full glory and its full revelation. It's time to go back to Kael Shakai Nira Eli, like Yaakov Avinu says, which is the powerful lights that Yaakov experienced, and when Mashiach comes, of course, all of us will experience. Moshe Rabbeinu before the sin. By the way, it says that every Shabbos, this, um, this is, these thousand lights are returned to Moshe. Shabbos, he's elevated back to his, his, um, his level, and he shares that light with us on Shabbos. It says, Yismach Moshe, Moshe rejoices with the matana that he gets. Somehow the Arizal explains is associated with the thousand lights that are returned to Moshe every Shabbos and Moshe bestows it to the Jewish people. Okay. So, um, let me share with you then. I'm saying that, wow, that when Mashiach will come, we're going to go back to the thousand. Where do you see that? So the Darizal, he doesn't say anything about that. The Darizal just says why the Aleph in Vayikra is small, because the Aleph in Vayikra is a single digit. It's the level of where Moshe is standing now after the fall. See if I missed anything. Oh, and I forgot to say. And of course, Moshe's fall impacts the Jewish people. And that's why the Jewish people go into exile, into the current exile, which the Arizal says is a thousand years. But you know what? It's close to 2,000 years already. So why? I don't know. But the, the, it says in many places, Kabbalistic places, that the gezera of this goal is that it had to be was a thousand years. He connected to the to Pasuk and Shira Shiroma, Elef Ha'elef is the thousand years of exile. What does it have to do with Shlomo? I don't know. But again, we have to pay the price for the shrunken Aleph. And obviously through, but why are we going? It's not punishment. We go into the exile 
so that we can uncover and, and, and get back to the light, not just get back to the light, but get even to deeper light. So where do we get, where do we restore this olive? So let me share with you another teaching. Again, I'm making a little bit of a challenge here today. I'm bringing together a couple of, couple of ideas which I put together on my own from, from reading in a bunch of places. One of the fans, uh, the person who gave me the, uh, who helped me out is Rabbi Dubov, who has this set of books. It's called A Compilation of Teachings on Geula and Mashiach on every parsha. And on every parsha he has an entire book. Actually, this one is Vayikra Tzav. Two parshas together. But most of them, it's a single parsha. It's got, it's got on each parsha an entire sefer. And it's a compilation from teachings from... Um, he went through it. It was a piece of work. He didn't just do cut and paste. He had to really find, like, wherever it's discussed. Uh, not, it doesn't have everything. I'm sure there's much more. But he got a lot of ideas of Mashiach in, uh, on the Torah. So... Uh, that's where I found the Arizal, and that's where I found uh, the, the Tzemach Tzedek with the Zohar, and that's where I found the third, the, the, the other teaching that I'm going to, another two teachings I'm going to teach you regarding this. But what I'm trying to do is to kind of bring it all together into one, uh, one tapestry. So there is a sefer called Megala Amukais. Megala Amukais is a deep um, sefer full of mysticism, very cryptic. Not easy to learn. It's by an incredible Kabbalist. His name was, I think, Reb Nassin something. And, Nutta or Nassin? I have to. And, um, yeah, just, just extraordinary. Full of, but very, very, very much gematria and very, very mystical. And um, he lived, I think he was a. 16th, no, 17th century, in the 1600s. And, um, yeah, in any case, um, he gives at least 80 reasons, or maybe 90 reasons, because how do I know? I don't have the Megala Mukas in front of me. I don't have the book even here. It's one of the, uh, but he, 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 I, I see in, in the, over here, he quotes you know, reason 85, reason 86. So he gives like tons of reasons why the small olive. <laughs> Imagine someone who can learn Chumash and come up with about 90 explanations, all original, <laughs> of why the olive in the word Vayikra is small. Obviously he wasn't busy with too many other things. <laughs> you know, we're very busy. We have to look at emails and this, and then we wonder why we don't have so much time to learn Torah, because we, you know, we have to check up on the news and everything that's happening. He, uh, you know, was, had, uh, was able to carve out some time to think and come up with original explanations. Again, I don't know, it might be 150. I don't know how many explanations he has, but I know at least 86 because in his, over here, he brings, he's only bringing from him the reasons that are associated with Moshiach. He brings a few of them. Oh, and... He says over here, Megala Mukas Oifen Peches. It's the 88th reason. So he got at least 88. And then he has a bunch of other ones here, but yeah, I don't know how many. In any case, so what does he say? 
he speaks about this idea that, that, the, that, the, um, that Moshe Rabbeinu lost a thousand lights. But he says it's going to be restored to him. It's going to come back when Mashiach comes. And he does an interesting gematria. He says it's associated with the two Mashiachs. As we know, the concept that there is Mashiach ben Yosef is Mashiach ben David. So the work of the two Mashiachs are going to finally bring about the restoration of the level of a thousand. Why? So the way he works the gematria is like this. Mashiach ben Yosef is gematria 566. I did the math. You can do the math too. Mashiach ben Yosef. Mashiach is 358. Ben is 52. Yosef is 156. Add it together. You get 566. It's actually, and he, it's interesting, he says it's the same gematria as the word tinok. Because tinok means a baby. And it, it, it's associated with what the sages say that in the early hours of the morning, tinok yoinik mishteima. We once discussed it at great length. A baby nurses from its mother, who's the baby that's Mashiach ben Yosef, who's already nursing for the Jewish people, deep mysticism, and uh, so forth. That's, that's Mashiach ben Yosef. Tov kuf samach vav. That's 566. The, um, and then he says, Mashiach ben David, we know, is Gematria 424. Now 424 and 566 is 990. And not 1,000. Now we need, again, the target number is a thousand. So he makes an interesting, um, he, he, you know, he, he fills it in. He says, we know that after Mashiach comes, there's going to be a change in David HaMelech's name. David is not going to be called David, Dalid Vav Dalid, but David is going to be Dalid Vav Yud Dalid, like he is mentioned in Divrei Hayamim. In Divrei Ayamim, you, uh, there's certain many names that are different in Divrei Ayamim. For example, Yehuda is not, is not spelled Yehuda, it's spelled Yehoda with a chaylam. Different, many names that are different in Divrei Hayamim. And obviously there's deep reasons for it. Now Divrei Ayamim was only written for the Yichus of David HaMelech. So he's the core character in the entire Divrei Ayamim. And... Um, um, so, so, and over there in Divrei Ayamim, David is spelled Dalit Vav Yud Dalit. So, if you add Yud, which is 10, to Moshiach ben David, it's not 424, it's 434. 434 plus 566, Moshiach ben Yosef, together with Moshiach ben David, together make up a thousand. So, the restoration of the thousand lights that Moshe Rabbeinu had at that time will come back to him in the days of Mashiach, and the Aleph of Ayikra is not going to be a little Aleph, it's going to be a large, big Aleph. The, um, I saw in, in another one of his explanations, on, again, he's, he gives many in, uh, explanations on the, sh on the shrunken Aleph. He says it's really the Aleph, which Aleph did, did, was, was, was diminished that Moshe Rabbeinu had, it's already, Moshe already experienced that Aleph on the first encounter he had with God. When he asks God, what's your name by the burning bush? Hashem says to him, Eke asher eheke. Eke. 
That's my name. Aleph, hey, yud, hey, my name. And over there, God reveals to him the Aleph. He says, however, we know that uh, in exile, we botched that Aleph. That incredible godly infinity which is expressed in the Aleph is not coming through. It's being blocked. Where do we see that? We, he says we're going to find, he's going to find, he finds to us the word Eke twice, just like Eka Shere Eka by Moshe Rabbeinu was mentioned twice. He finds the word Eke mentioned twice, but both times without the Aleph. Hoya, Hoya, the word Hoya is the word Eke. Devar Hashem el Yecheskel ben Buzi. Yecheskel Anavi, getting the Nevua, but he's getting the Nevua in the time of exile, on the Har Kavar. On the, on the river that was once a river, that means it means that a, a river that dried up, which represents a flow of, of, of prophecy that is already dried out, it's hardly a trickle. So when the revelations are coming to him, it's haya haya, not eka eka, it's without the olive. So we are working on restoring the olive, going back to the power of this year, plois ireno, to see the pella, to see the olive. Now, what does it mean the olive goes away? The Aleph goes away means the Aleph, the, the, the infinite, is concealed from us. So perhaps we can explain it with another teaching. This is a teaching of the Chassam Sofer. The Chassam Sofer uh, addresses the small Aleph of Moshe. And he's really um, 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 comparing two times the Torah says Vayikra to Moshe. One of them is a regular size olive. And only over here, Vayikra is a small olive. So why the difference that in Sefer Vayikra, when Hashem is calling to Moshe here, it's a small olive. There's another Vayikra where, when God is giving him, when Hashem calls Moshe to come up by Har Sinai. Vayikra Moshe, and he calls him up, and then it starts. And over there, it's not a large olive, but it's a regular olive. So why the difference over there, a full olive, over here, a small olive? So in order to explain this, he first of all says, which is, this is what I, I really enjoyed reading, was that he explains the olive not in terms of numbers, like we spoke before, a thousand or single digits, but he explains the big olive and the small olive simply in size. And he brings what I told, what we mentioned earlier, the difference of size of a regular olive and a small olive is it's, it's a quarter of the size. A small olive is, again, halachically, when you write the small olive, you're supposed to write it a fourth of the size of a regular olive. He says, what is the meaning of that? And why by Matan Torah is it a full olive, by the giving of the Torah is a complete olive, and now it's a small olive. And his idea is, yes, it has to do with the sin, because Vayikra al-Moshe is after the sin of the golden calf, after the world became dark, and we lost the light. He says, Aleph represents light. The word Oyer starts with an Aleph. Now when we go back to the beginning of creation, all the way to the beginning of the creation, on the first day of creation, God creates light. And Hashem says, Yehi Oyer, let there be light. Now, in that Pasuk, or in those Pasukim, I think it's more than one Pasuk, when it says that Hashem said, let there be light, it mentions the word or five times. However, the first time it mentions the word or, it's not yet the creation. It's God commanding there should be light. 
but we don't have yet light. The light is not yet produced. It's Hashem saying, let there be light. So therefore, he doesn't count the first one. He counts the product. What's the product? God said, let there be light. And there was light. So what does it say next? God saw the light, that it's good. That's the second. The second light. And Hashem separated between the light and the darkness. That's the third time it mentions light. And God called light day. And, 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 and darkness he called night. So how many ors do we have in the actual creation? Four lights. Based on this idea, before we get into the details, he explains. When we received the Torah, there was the potential for all four lights already there. And that's why you have a regular Aleph, because Aleph is the oil, is light. And Moshe Rabbeinu had all those four lights, even though in Moshe, when Hashem is calling Moshe, communicating that light to the Jewish people, you have the full entirety. So you have a letter containing all four, four lights. After that, as a result of the sin, three of the lights were extinguished, or at least temporarily extinguished. And only a quarter, one of those lights, is inextinguishable, never goes out. And that's why the Aleph is a quarter of the size, because it's one light out of the four that, that, that were shining by Matan Torah. And that's the Vayikra small. And obviously when Mashiach will come, we will get back. And it's interesting, he says, not only will we get back a regular Aleph, but we're going to get a large Aleph. So it's going to be four times four. Now he doesn't explain why it will jump and expand to not just the regular, which is for the full lights, but it will be Allah. He says we should, he said we should be merit to the big Aleph, Aleph Rabasi. And I don't have an explanation for that. But at least coming back to the four lights. So let me just give you quickly what are the four lights as the Hassam Sefer sees it. And the reason I'm really quoting this is not so much for this, but because I'd like to say what happens when, and connected to our times, what happens when the light goes away? And let's see that in a moment. But he says, what are the four lights? He says, the first light that the Pasuk is referring to when it says, that happened 2,000 years into creation. The first 2,000 years, the world was conducting itself in pitch darkness. There's no light in the world. There were a few tzaddikim, but they didn't illuminate. To Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is called, you know, Hischileheir. He's the one who's, Miheir was a Lushan, Miheir Memizrach, who is shining from the east. Avram Avinu is the uh, Abraham, our father, patriarch of the Jewish people. He brings the first light into the world. And he says, What's that light? That's the light of Israel. The Jewish people are a light unto the nations. That's light number one. Light number two, Moshe Rabbeinu was born. What does it say? Vayera Oisai, they saw him, Kitoivu, he's good. They saw him that he's good. And the sages say, the whole house was filled with light. How do they know it? Because in 
Bereishes, it says, Vayar Elohim Esa Oer Kitoiv, that the light is good. And Vayar, they also, they're looking at the baby and they're seeing the light. They're seeing the same light that God saw. Then they're seeing an emotion. What's that light? He says, no, that's the light of the Torah. That's the light of the sages. So you have the light of the Jewish people. Then you have an additional light, the illumination that comes from the Torah scholars, from those that are bringing the light of Torah to the world. Second light. And Torah is called Tov, it's called good. Then he says there's a third light. What's the third light? When God took the Jewish people and brought them to Eretz Yisrael and built for them the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is called the light of the world. That light is associated with the third time it mentions light in Bereshis, which says, Hashem separates The very idea that God took Israel, the Jewish people, and he gave them a homeland and a place to live in a holy land, separated from the rest of the world. That separation is the separation between the light and the darkness. So to have a designated space, that's Vayavdel, separated, the light of the Beisamik, the light of Israel. Third light. Fourth light, he says, is mainly futuristic. It started already by the giving of the Torah, but it's mainly futuristic. Which light is that? That's the light when death will be removed from the world. When God is going to remove the evil inclination and the, the, the dominion of the nations that were oppressing Israel, the, the Golos, the exile, and the Malach is the angel of death, when momentarily Hashem will clean the world from death. This uh, little party that the Satan had, that the Malach angel of death had, right? This was like, you know, his last meal. You know, when you put someone, when, 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 when someone is going to the... Uh, to be executed, you give them a last wish. You know, they want, they want a special, whatever they like, I don't know, a special, you know, milkshake with the, you know, sometimes you read the people, what they wanted. Feel bad, but okay, guy wants to have a last pleasure, he wants to eat something that'll make him happy. Um, so the Satanola, you know, gets his last, well, seems to be, this last licks, he's finished. This, this corona is the last, there's not gonna be any more, this is done, this is fartik, over. But in any case, um, I mean, it means he's out the door with this virus. That's the thing. Or I pray that I'm right. Let me just say that way, okay? Let's all daven that this should the way it should be. There shouldn't be any more death, any more finished. So that's the fourth light. And that's Vayikra Lekim Lo'or God calls the light day. And I guess that's the ultimate day when the world will be day forever. No more darkness, no more sadness, no more pain. The possibility of death is removed from the world. So that's the, that's the last level of light. It started, we, we managed to get there when we received the Torah, but we lost it. When we sinned with the golden calf, we were again under the influence, in the, under the... Uh, um, under the domain of the Malachamavis of the angel of death. So he says, ultimately, we lost three of them. We lost the, the uh, uh, you know, to live forever, which we would have had. We lost the temple, Beisamikdash was destroyed. And we've scholars, a lot of times, they pass away and die, and, and, and sometimes the generation could be in a strong 
a loss of great, great rabbis and great scholars. He says, the one thing that is never possible to be lost is the Jewish people are never destroyed from the world. One light will always remain shining. Haman, Haman, he says, wanted to destroy this one light. But it didn't work. So instead of chas v'shom, the destruction, what do we say in the Megillah? To the Jewish people, there was light. That one light is inextinguishable. So we're back to at least one light that there was. And that's the light of the small olive. After everything gets, after we get stripped from every light, everything could be extinguished, but not that light. The one, a quarter of the size, because it's a quarter of the lights, not all four, only one. Now, okay, so this is an introduction to what I want to, to, to this next point. This idea that the three lights go away, he says, he brings this from a midrash, that the midrash says that Medrash is talking about the passing of the righteous, Tzaddikim. When Tzaddikim died, the Medrash says, it's worse than the curses of the Torah. It's worse than the, than, the, than, the, than the 98 curses of the Torah. And it's worse than the destruction of the Temple. Why, the Medrash says? Because when it comes to the curses of the Torah, which represent all the suffering, or the Teichacha, all the suffering, it says over there the word vehifla. It uses the word vehifla. Hifla means vehiflas makaischa. God will do wondrous, wondrous plagues, wondrous suffering, terrible. And it mentions one time the word hifla, which is again the root word of the word hifla is pele. He says by destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, it says two times wonder. Vatered peloim. The Jewish people fell. When we lost the temple, we fell. What a wondrous, but in the plural, at least two. A wondrous fall. A double fall. A double wonder of a fall. Two times Pella. And then he brings, and I, I, I didn't really, that by the death of Tzaddikim, the Medrash says, it says three times Pella. So as the Chassam Sofer explains it, he says when the, Aleph, when the Aleph is shining, when you have the light, it's called Aleph. But when the Aleph is retracted, when the light goes back, it's called Pele. Now it fits with Hasidus, it fits because Pele means a wonder. A wonder is about something that is not illuminating, something that is aloof, something that is beyond, something that is higher than us. It's bigger than us. So, that's why it says in Hasidus that the level of Keser is called Pele, because it's, it's above the, the illumination of the world. And when Keser reveals itself, from Pele becomes Aalefcha, I will teach you, I will illuminate, I will emerge, I will shine. So that's already the Pele, the wonder being demystified. The mystery is when it's a Pele, when it's not, when, when it becomes more comprehensible, closer to our understanding, that's when it's Aleph. Again, he doesn't say this explicitly, but I'm explaining which I think is what he means. When the Aleph goes back into a concealed state, it becomes Pele. You see from the Medrash that the Medrash is saying all these retractions, a retraction of the Beis Amikdash, a retraction of the Tzaddikim, and a retraction and, uh, and, 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 and general the, 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 you know, troubles and suffering and all that, which means a retraction of light and goodness, all these things are called Pele.
The one thing that never goes back is the light of the Jewish people. The Jewish people never go into a pele. We're always in a state of aleph, of light. That remains. But why was I excited about this? Because that's what I think is the mystery and the secret, or one of the secrets of this year. And this year versus last year. Because we were all expecting Mashiach last year, but last year didn't happen. And that's because last year was Tiyashnas Pele. Still wonder. Awesome things happened last year. Last year, Pesach is going to go down in history as one of the strangest Pesachs. And, 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 and it's a mystery. And we'll need Mashiach Tzadkenu to explain to us why every single Jew sat alone by the Seder. It's a mystery of mysteries. Why? So last year we thought, ah, we know. It, it, we're going to be alone because it's the same like it's Yis Mitzrayim. You can't leave your house. And for sure Mashiach is coming on at the Seder. We're all waiting. But you know what? It's a year later and Mashiach didn't come yet. It remains a Pella. It's a wonder. But Pella is still a level of concealment. That means something powerful is happening, but it's not revealed to us. This year is Plois Aleph. Plois. And what did we explain is the Aleph? Aleph means I will teach you. Alefcha, it means that the Pella is opening up. It's going from a state of darkness to a state of light. And that's why the Rosh Tevis of the Pei Aleph is Plois Arenu, I will show him wonders. The wonders will be shown, will be visible. That's why I have my hopes high for this Pesach. And hopefully we don't have to wait till Pesach. Even before Pesach, we should see the miracles, we should see the wonders, we should see the goodness. Let the Aleph be restored. Let the thousand lights come back. Okay. So after all of this, we will conclude with a mimer, and very quick, I'm going to do it very briefly, a quick discourse that brings this all together from the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Tafshin Mem Gimel. Again, I wouldn't have found it. And again, I say thank you to Rabbi Dubov because he brings it over here. In which the Rebbe gives a lot of clarity in this whole idea of the diminished Aleph and why it's going to come back in the future. And what's the significance of the small Aleph? And the question he asks at the beginning of the discourse is a few of the questions we asked earlier. Number one, he says, how come it doesn't say who called Moshe? Vayikrael Moshe, he called Moshe. It doesn't say who called Moshe. And secondly, why the small Aleph? And why does it say Vayikrael Moshe may oil moed? From the oil moed, why doesn't it say, I'm sorry, where's Vayikrael Moshe? Vayidabere Hashem Elov. It should have said be'oel moed. God spoke to him in the oil moed. What does it say me'oel moed? From the oil moed. Here are the questions he asks. And the answer, brief, so it's, it's a discourse, so it's not just a short answer, but the idea and how this all fits into everything we spoke about, and again, I think clinches it all, is as follows. He says that um, the, the, um, the Aleph, The reason why there, it doesn't say over here who called Moshe, this is bringing from the Alter Rebbe, Rav Shneir Zalman of Liyadi. The reason why it does not mention in this parsha who called to Moshe is not because it was a low calling. It's because it was a super high calling. As I mentioned at the beginning of the class, 
It on purpose doesn't mention God's name because it's coming from a place infinitely beyond name. It's coming from God's very self that can't be defined by any name. The level that we refer to when we say is called Anoichi. Anoichi Hashem Elokecha. Hashem is already a name, a definition. Anoichi is I am. And the Zohar says on the word Anoichi, it's me as I am not symbolized. I'm not indicated in any letter or in any shape or in any form. Nothing can define me. Nothing can capture me. You can't define, you can't even make a sign or a symbol that can indicate something about me. It's just me as I truly am. And that's the source from Vayikra Moshe. He called to Moshe. The reason we don't know who, because we can't put anything, it's Anochi calling. But in order to understand the, the depth of what does it mean, Anochi, what's the word Anochi? Anochi is the word Ani with Echaf. You see the word Ani? Now, Ani and Anochi means the same thing. Ani means I, and Anochi means I. So why would you write it with chaf and without a chaf? And the answer is, Ani is when you're introducing yourself, ordinarily, whoever you are, this is who I am. When you want to leave an impression of who you are in terms of... It, <laughs> <laughs> this is if you, if we really are not, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you, if we really are a somebody, somebody of a high stature, a king or someone like that. So the onochi represents represents the person in their heightened state. So ani is the could be you when you're letting yourself down and being simple or unassuming. Onochi is when you really want to make, give off the best impression of your best you, the highest you, so to speak. And that's the Yonoich. And I don't mean over here qualities, because that's already a name, you know, if you're trying to present your resume, a doctor, I don't mean that. I mean a, 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 a presentation of self where you're not presenting, you're presenting your essence, but your essence in, in, as a very high being, as opposed to just in a more humble way. So therefore, it explains, he explains it Kabbalistically. He says, generally, generally, Ani, and so there's a Pasuk that says, Ani Rishon Vani Acharon. I am first and I am last. Speaking about God. I am first and I am last. So most of the time we explain Rishon and Acharon as the beginning of the Sefirot, obviously he's talking about God as first and last. So Kabbalistically, mystically, what is it referring to? Ani Rishon is referring to the first Sefirot, the first of the attributes. And Achron is talking about the last of the attributes. So Chachma, which is the first of the ten attributes, is Hashem saying, Ani Rishon, that's the level of Chachma. When God is revealing himself in Chachma, he's called Ani Rishon, like Rashi's Chachma. Rashi's is associated with Chachma. Acharon is Malchus. It's the last and final sphere like we discussed earlier. Ani Rishon, Ani Acharein. What is Anochi? Anochi is beyond Rishon and Acharein. It's beyond spheros, beyond attributes. It's God's very self. That's Keser. 
Kesser is already the infinite. Hashem in, a, in, a, in a, prior to Sfirot and attributes. And that's why Kesser is infinitely higher than Ani. Ani Rishon and Ani Yachar. But then the Rebbe goes and he says, in truth, since Kesser is really the source from where everything comes from, all divine manifestations come from the Orein Sof, from the infinite light as he transcends it all. And therefore in Kesser itself, in a very, very benign, unpronounced, undefined state, all the levels exist. So the Ani Rishon and Ani Acheroin also exist in Kesser. And this is how he explains it. Ani Acheroin is the Malchus level of Kesser. In Kesser itself, it's the kingship level of Kesser. It's Kesser already close to the to Chachma and all the other spheres. Then Ani Rishon is Chachma Shebekeser. It's the level of wisdom that is in the crown, which is way, way, way above Malcha Shebekeser. And then Anoichi is Keser Shebekeser, the crown of the crown. Or sometimes referred to as Pnimius Atik, the innermost of the Atik Yomen of the ancient of days. And now we'll understand why. Now, hold on. In order, and this we, we we gave classes on this once, fascinating classes about you know things that were going on over the last couple of years, which I explained based on this, but I'm not gonna go there right now, is that the world creation when creation is being sustained by a flow of godly energy, but is only from the spherot, only from the attributes, it's not from keser, then there is a certain lacking in creation. Creation is in a, in a deficient state. It's, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about. I don't want to get caught in it. In order for creation to be, as we call, bimiluyoi, to be in its completion, there shouldn't be any defects, any problems in the world. There shouldn't be a hungry child. There shouldn't be an ignorant individual. There shouldn't be a dark corner in the universe. There shouldn't be an ailment, a sickness, and so on and so forth. The light of Keser, which is God's infinity, needs to be manifest. However, based on the levels that we discussed earlier. When Malchus Shebekeser is revealed in the world, it fills every lacking. Literally, it fills every, every lacking and every nook and cranny in the universe. Basically, in one shot, solved all the problems. Everything is taken care of. There's no deficiency at all. However, that's called only that's called filling what is lacking. But when someone doesn't have anything lacking, doesn't mean they're wealthy. They just have enough. It's the mitzvah of tzedakah. How much are you supposed to give for any individual person, for them, for tzedakah? Let's say, you suppose, you know, we all always measure, give a tenth, I give 10%, I give 20%. But that's in terms of what you're giving of yours. How about if you have plenty, okay? You have a, a massive amount of money 
and, you, and no one is coming. You know, like over here in Los Angeles, we've had the period now, you know, people who are collectors always come from Israel, from the whole world, but been, during the corona, they didn't come. So I'm, I'm sure there's people that have been backing up, you know, a whole bunch of tzedakah sitting around because they had, thank God today's days we can give a lot of tzedakah online. Every day there's campaigns and we should pay attention to that. But imagine a situation when you have a backup, you have a ton of tzedakah. How much are you supposed to give to the guy who shows up? So the law is you're not supposed to make him rich. You don't have to give, make him, but you have to give him, if you're able to, you have to fill everything that he's lacking. And that depends on the person and what they're accustomed to. The Gemara says that if someone was once wealthy and he was used to having servants, uh, a horse running in front of him, not, not, not he's riding on the horse, you know, an entourage of a, of a horse is running, announcing his coming, and servants running before him, you're obligated to give it because that's what he's used to. He needs that. Anything that he needs, that's called lacking. Can't give him, you know, an old peanut butter sandwich and say, here's your lunch. If he's used to having a five-course meal, you have to provide that. It's part of tzedakah. Yeah, the Torah says it's part of tzedakah. Can't say get a job and then out. No, it's part of tzedakah. That is, but still, you're not making him wealthy. You're giving him for his, his or her expenses. Spiritually, when malchus of keser, again, keser is infinite, but when malchus of keser is then flowing in the world and felt in the world, there's nothing, nothing lacking, but not wealthy. In order for there to be wealth in the world, and when I say wealth, I mean physical wealth and spiritual wealth, an overflow, extra, you need to be, there has to be a revelation, the Rebbe says, of Chachma Sheba Malchus. And for the world to be super wealthy on a way beyond, there has to be a revelation of Keser Sheba Malchus. Keser Sheba Keser. Not, I'm sorry, not Chachma Sheba Malchus. Chachma Sheba Keser. And if you're here to be like bleakful, infinite, endless, boundless, it's Keser Sheba Keser. And that's going to be the revelations when Mashiach comes. What's going to be revealed in the world is Keser Shabbat Even in the days of Shlomo, there was no revelation of Keser Shabbat Pnimius of Keser, Pnimius of Atik Yomen, on the highest of levels. Now the Rebbe says an interesting thing, that by Matan Torah, that's the level of Anochi. By the giving of the Torah, that level was already revealed. Even th Why? Even though it belongs only to the days of Mashiach, this is so exciting when you hear this. You realize, like, wow, it's never been, never been, even by the giving of the Torah. The giving of the Torah was a me'ain. It was something. It was a glimmer of the lights that are going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. But by the giving of the Torah, since it's a little foretaste of Mashiach, it was already tapping. We were already tapping Anochi, which is Pneumius Akasa. That's why it says, it's not Ani, it's Anochi with the Kof, because it's God's, it's the innermost. But, but it's a main. It's only a something. The main revelation of it is going to be when Mashiach comes. And this will explain why when it came to the Mishkan, Anochi appeared again. Not just by the giving of the Torah. Because as it is explained in many discourses, what happened by the giving of the Torah was completed when the Mishkan was built. By the giving of the Torah, it was, it was revealed, but it wasn't anchored down, it didn't settle. God's desire is to have a home in this world to come down here permanently. 
And when we built the Mishkan, we created sign of a vessel to be able to receive that light. And now we'll understand why Vayikrel Moshe is the same idea of the Anochi that happened by, by Matan Torah. And that's why it doesn't say God's name. Because again, it says, Vaydabara Hashem Elov. That was the open communication. But when I got called to him, it was from a level way beyond Yudke Vavke. It was from Anochi himself. Because again, this is the culmination of the giving of the Torah. And the giving of the Torah was an Anochi event. Pnimius Akeser, the innermost of the crown. However, why is the olive small? And this is a very important idea. And you see how the Rebbe like, you know, it gives such a clarity over everything else we've seen before. The Rebbe says the revelation was the, the energy level was the full revelation. But the containers were insufficient. The containers were not developed yet. Letters, letters, what are letters? Letters are containers for light, for energy. You have an idea, you have a concept. The concept is not words. A concept is a, is, is, is a, is, is a concept, is, a, is an idea. In order to capture it, in order to, to, to communicate it, in order to anchor it down, you put it into words. And the proof to that is you can have the same concept in different words. That means the words are not the concept. The words are just the containers. Oisiyas uh, are called kalim, they're called vessels. By the giving of the Torah, we didn't do the work yet. So the world was not yet a vessel. Since we were not yet a vessel, we had to do something, because without any vessels, it wouldn't, have any, it wouldn't have any traction. We needed something. So even though he says an interesting thing, he says even though, even though the level of Nochi is, called, is so high that you can't provoke it, you can't do a sarusa de latata, you can't do an arousal from below for something so lofty. It's beyond the reaches of any, any created being, but he brings from the Zohar, that even Matan Torah, which is the highest of the high, God wants it to come through Avoda. That's why God gave us seven weeks counting to, to, to do something. We have to do. To sit around and sleep on the couch and wait for lights to come doesn't work. You gotta do. So the Jewish people then did. But he says, you can't compare it to thousands of years of doing Torah and mitzvahs. It was just the beginning. We hardly did anything. So therefore, even though the lights were infinite, was Pneumius Akeser, but the Kali, which is the letter Aleph in the word Vayikra, was a very small Aleph, a very, very undeveloped Kali. And therefore, when you have less Kali, it's not expressing itself. And let me give you an example. Not me giving, the Rebbe gives this example in the Mimer, in the discourse, of an energy that doesn't have containers. And because it doesn't have containers, it doesn't register, it doesn't settle, it doesn't have such impact because it remains too lofty and too, it spills all over the place. It doesn't have uh, anywhere that you can hold it. Is, is from the idea of faith. Faith is very powerful. Faith is very powerful. And the Gemara says about. Um, about a thief. The Gemara says about a thief that a thief, when he's breaking into a house, a ganav, when he's breaking into a house, a guy's, a guy's hanging on the third floor from a windowsill. You know, he's going quietly. It's the middle of the night. He's climbing. They don't want anybody to hear him. He want to, you know, make a noise. And 
he's nervous. You know, he hears a noise, he hears something, gets scared. A light turns on or whatever, it gets turned. So he, he stops and he offers a prayer and he prays to God, please help me. So the Gemara says, the thieves are always praying because they're, 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 they can be jeopardized in any second, so they pray to God. But yet they don't stop to think while they're praying to God that they're doing something totally antithetical to God. What are you praying to God? When you're, when, you're, when you're stabbing God, what, what kind of crazy thing? God said, don't steal. It, it doesn't occur to them. So what does the Gemara want to show? Hypocrite. According to Hasidus, it's not hypocritical at all. The prayer is a real prayer. Because their faith is real. It's just that they don't, as the Rebbe explains it in this Mimer, is they don't have the containers to facilitate that the faith should come down in an organized manner, they should understand what they believe. And that understanding should then affect them, impact them internally, their emotions, that they, they should be consistent with that faith. You can't question the faith. The faith is real. They're not saying, oh, you're not a religious person. What are you, what are, what are you claiming? You're a hypocrite. That's not true. That's, that's, faith is it's a deep... Com- Who is this person trying to impress? There's no one there. He's not doing a show in front of anybody. He's hanging on a windowsill in the middle of the night. The whole point is that no one is there. It's just between him and God. And yet, he stops and offers a prayer. It's very, very real. But again, it's too lofty because there's no containers. So the Rebbe uses that to explain the Aleph, the, 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 the problem with this. Vayikra al-Moshe was a powerful, was anochi, was very... But there wasn't any containers yet. So the Aleph is small. When is there going to be proper containers? After the thousands of years of toil and efforts that we've gone through in all of history, we're finally going to reach the big Aleph that is in the word Adam, which Adam, that big Aleph, is going to come from the collective container that we built. We have built that Aleph from Adam, from the first human being starting, laying the very foundation, till Avram Avinu. And then through all this, the, 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 the lives of the patriarchs and the matriarchs, and then the, the, the tribes and the Jewish people in the exile of Egypt, and then the going out of Egypt and the receiving of the Torah, and the study of the Torah in the 40 years, and the building of the first temple and the second temple, and the exiles in between, and all the yeshivas, and all the study, and all the kindness, and all the bloodshed, and all the sacrifice throughout this incredible long journey. Oh, we all built a massive olive. Now we're going to have the light and we're going to have the container. And that's the meaning of olive, Adam, from the word Adam, which Adam stands for, Adam David Moshiach. Moshiach is the culmination, the vessel to receive. Now, Moshiach, although he represents the complete container, his container stretches without a limit. Because again, if the energy is really without a limit, then the container has to be without a limit. But in what sense is it a container? How can he be, be both human? If the, the, only Hashem is infinite. And he's both human, and, and the answer is, the word Adam, as it is going to be when Mashiach comes, means the final Adam, which is Adam David Mashiach, when, it manif- when Mashiach takes over, he's going to change the word Adam and it's going to become Ma'od. 
from the word, from the Pasuk, it says regarding Mashiach, it says, Yarim, he will be elevated, Venisa, and even higher, Vegava, and higher, Ma'od. Ma'od. Ma'od is the same letters, Aleph, Talad, Mem, as Adam, but rearranged, because Adam still represents a certain limited capacity. Great, but limited. Ma'od means very much. So on the one hand, he's still an Adam, but yet he's a vessel for very much, for the infinite. He will be able to facilitate and bring down the full Anochi, the complete Anochi, into this world. The thousand lights that we were talking about earlier. Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, everything together will create that ultimate vessel to receive it. The time that we can remove the Masveh, which is Gematria 111, single digit Aleph, and get back to the Aleph, which is Aleph, to the infinite lights and beyond, to the essence of Kesar. Based on all of this, on the year Ploi Sarenu, I feel, and I'm certain, and I think we can make the argument that it's time to replace the small Aleph of Ayikra and bring back not just a regular Aleph to Vayikra, but a super big Aleph. That Vayikra, God's calling to each and every one of us in the third temple, is going to be just, without holding anything back, and yet we, as we are, will be a container, a vessel, and an ability to stretch infinitely to receive that light as we are attached to Mashiach, who enables us, gives us this capacity. May we merit that all of this should come to fruition this month of Nisan, this Pesach. Thank you.